0: Hi, and welcome back to Stand Partners for Life. I'm Nathan. I'm Akiko. We didn't say last names this time, so we're switching it up. Thanks again for being here with us. It means a lot for you to spend this uh, hour. Well, this won't, this won't even be an hour. To spend this time with us. And uh, yeah, we've got a great topic today. We've hinted at audition concertos before, or sort of talked around them a little bit when we've discussed auditions. But this episode's all about what you're starting out your audition with. And uh, I've missed you the last couple episodes. I've had a couple special guests and they've been, they have been awesome.
1: Oh, I enjoyed my vacation. Thank you.
0: Catch up on those if you haven't gotten a chance to uh, hear them. But thanks, Kiko, for being back with us today. Um, Because you, you have so much to bring to this discussion. Um, Although the concerto you've played most recently does not appear on the list that we're working from. And we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, so we'll talk about what, what happens when like, a charter you want to play is not an option.
0: <laughs> just play it anyway and <laughs> dare them to toss like, you out. What?
1: wasn't on the list, are you sure?
0: I want to mention, many of you, maybe even most of you, will have gotten an email already from me about um, a survey, fun little survey I've, I'm running at the time of this recording, um, just to kind of see where everyone's at, what pieces you're working on, how long you've been playing the violin, or or even whether you play the violin because i know um, many of you play other instruments and you're your listeners for reasons other than violin talk first of all if you haven't gotten that email that likely means that you're not getting any of my emails in which case you've really got to you know reassess your priorities here um so i would encourage you to go to natesviolin.com pick up my my free practice guide about practice mistakes you could be making then you'll, you'll get my emails and, and all that. But if you want to fill out this survey and you haven't gotten the invitation, just send me a, a message to contact at standpartnersforlife.com, or you can simplify it, contact at sp4l.com. Cause I'd love to, to get your voice as part of that survey too. If you've gotten the invitation, haven't had a chance to fill it out yet, please do that. I, I really want to hear from each and every one of you and, um, if you've done the survey, that's amazing. Almost a thousand people now have uh, completed this survey for me. It just takes three minutes. And um, I've loved not only analyzing the data in a cold way, but, but also reading your comments for those of you who have uh, left some comments. So that's been a lot of fun anyway. So let's talk first about what you really want out of your concerto in an audition. Because oftentimes not always, but oftentimes it's the very first thing that a committee will hear and the very first thing you play. So it had better be comfortable.
1: And you're talking about rom- your romantic concerto, or your Mozart or either?
0: Well, that's the thing you, uh,
1: So for anybody who's wondering, um, most auditions, your solo repertoire almost always include both a, mo- uh, a what they call a romantic concerto and, uh, and your Mozart concerto. So two different two different periods or two different styles.
0: Yeah. And usually there's a lot more choice for the Romantic concerto than there will be for the Mozart, because even though he wrote five, generally, they're only going to allow you to select from either two or three of his concertos. So we'll get to that. But there's more variation in in the Romantic concerto selections. Yeah, most auditions, you'll get a chance to play one of your concertos first. And I would say more often than not, that's the Romantic one. Wouldn't you say you've open more auditions with your Romantic Concerto than anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, i actually, I'd maybe say it's
0: 50-50. You mean between... Between starting with, with, with
1: Mozart or starting with Romantic.
0: Oh, okay. I think there's only one audition I ever took where I didn't get to play I, any concerto to start and that was my very first audition, which was Philly. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that,
1: that sounds familiar.
0: <laughs> but most of the time you can count on playing one of your concertos to start. Meaning that both of them have to be comfortable. The openings have to be comfortable for you because that's your first impression. And that's just, that's by far the most important minute that you'll play.
1: Yeah. Not to make it sound, I mean, you know, we've talked about the fact that you can, you should never feel like, you know, it's over just because you had a bad opening or something. Oh
0: no, certainly not. But since, I mean, this is one of the few things you have control over in the audition because the orchestra will have picked the whole list that you're playing from except for your concerto. So, at least you can sort of put your stamp on right. on that.
1: Right. And that's, I think that's one of the hardest things about taking an audition is just feeling like, you know, you're on a, a number, you're not, you're not a name, you're not a face even because there's a screen, you know, you just, and it goes by so fast, you know, it's it easy to sort of just, it just flies by. <laughs> so, I'm like, you know, I've played auditions where you come out and you're like, Did, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs>
0: Well, so for that reason, you've heard of people or you've talked to people, right, who they want to select something out of the way to stand out.
1: Yes. Yes, that does happen. And I think that's a mistake.
0: Yeah, I do too. If that's your if that's your biggest reason for picking a certain piece is because other people aren't playing it, then yeah. I also think that's a mistake.
1: Um, unless you, if you're choosing it because you feel like you're playing it really well people will sometimes a lot of the times say this is you know this is too easy and uh the committee's gonna not gonna respect me as a player if i if i choose this piece even though you know it's, it's on the list of accepted pieces yeah there's some feeling like oh yeah they're gonna think i can't play something harder
0: right and if you start thinking that way then you're you're dead
1: <laughs> you're trying to appeal to the committee but you also can't yeah, you can't try to read their minds because that's just not going to work.
0: Right. No, I think in the end you have to, you know, it sounds trite, but you have to be yourself. And I think like you were saying, if there is a piece that maybe a piece really speaks to you because it's not played all the time and therefore you really identify with it and you play it well and without a lot of self-conscious feeling, then that can be great. That that's a win-win, you know, then you're... You are standing out for good reasons.
1: I always think it's weird when Prokofiev one is on audition lists. I've seen that, and it just seems strange.
0: Well, I was going to say I think it's weird when they put two and not one, but <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to, we'll get to the specifics. Just wanted to sort of set some set some expectations for what we're talking about here with what what a concerto should be for you in the first place. And
1: I'll stop wandering off. Okay, and herd yeah. me back in a, <laughs> a shape here. Okay.
0: And yeah, in, in my article about violin concerto openings, I wanted to run through all the major violin concerto openings figuring out where they would rank on the scale from cruise control to Mayday. You don't the lesson is in your audition you don't want any anything that feels like Mayday to to start. You're just not setting yourself up for
1: I mean no one would do that. Success. I mean I think you think you people, don't people know do. what Mayday is until like, you know, they get there.
0: People do. They think I'm going to play Mendelssohn cuz Nobody else is playing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it does seem like, okay, it's not going to be so bad, you know, and then you get there and it's like, you feel so naked.
0: Right. And that is true. Um, So, yeah, I mean,
1: then that's the importance of playing four people and like knowing how you're going to react and, and visualization. I think you're, you know, you, you, you've got a whole article on visualizing. um, And at first I was like, what are you talking about? But, you know, the more I think about it, it's true. It's like, even when I'm just playing something like a shift, just like an ordinary one, like, you know, one note to another note, I can tell feel like, you know, even right before I play it, like, this feels weird. This, you know, I, f- I feel oh, yeah. like I'm going to do something strange.
0: It's like you've never done it before.
1: Yeah. And even though in the moment you end up playing note to note, you know, sometimes you'll get it, but there is something a little odd. And I think Mendelssohn falls into that category of things that like would probably superficially seem like it was going to be okay. But like, if you really sat down and thought about yourself getting as nervous as you possibly can yeah, something strange might happen. Yeah. You want to, yeah, ferret those moments out.
0: And we'll talk about Mendelssohn more later too, but yeah, because it's one that people learn when they're young also, um, you tend to learn that piece at an age when you're really fearless and then having to play it at an age where you're fearful (laughs) can be very strange. And so, yeah, that that piece needs a lot of seasoning and a lot of performing if you're really going to go for it well, we do have a sample list to to work from in our discussion today. Um, because when I took a group of great players through preparation for a Detroit Symphony audition in the beginning of 2018, and that list was pretty representative. And it was a list that says these pieces are allowed and, you know, anything else is not allowed. So I figured it would be a Oh, good. Actually, that was your idea to (laughs) go from an actual audition list. So thank you for that. So here are the concertos that Detroit allowed for their audition. Um, And they wanted the first movement with cadenza of one of the following. And that was Beethoven, Brahms, Dvorak, Mendelssohn, Prokofiev II, Sibelius, and Tchaikovsky. And then they also wanted the first movement without cadenza, interestingly, of one of the following Mozart's and it's three, four, or five.
1: Ooh, three. So. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: right now I'd be salivating. i be like, ooh, Detroit, here I come.
0: Well, maybe, maybe let's talk about the Mozarts first, because that, that'll be a bit of a shorter discussion. I mean, the the content of those three Mozart concertos is not drastically different one to the next. I mean, three has the, the stigma of being the the student concerto, although i think we we've always both agreed that anything well played anybody listening
1: right now just play mozart three if you're taking detroit just forget about it (laughs) stop stop four and five right now
0: (laughs) but i mean the i think the the thought is as with the romantic concerto you play what you play the best right with no thought whatsoever to what someone else i.e the committee is going to think about it and yeah Yeah, you just you you play what's comfortable and what you play the best I mean any piece that's on this list is going to be great if it's played well yeah Mozart was no dummy and he'd already written two concertos but by the time he'd (laughs) written the third it's a great piece but yeah the opening is not nearly as difficult as either four or five which is a great thing and you can do do a lot
1: with it it's not like you know you can show your you've got a great sound you can got a you're relaxed you know you're vibrato can can sound really really beautiful and you can just produce a great sound in that opening and and just immediately win some people over in the first oh, two yeah. measures you know? you
0: know one of my favorite times hearing perlman live was mozart 3 that was God, a long time ago probably 20 years almost and um and yeah you
1: just ask yourself like if you if you heard 10 different recordings of mozart 3 would you have a favorite like sure so yeah same thing yeah.
0: No, that's a it's a great piece, so that's we're putting to to bed forever the idea that it's not. Over. I think I've
1: made my point. Mozart three—that's the way to go.
0: Well, and you won the LA Phil audition originally with Mozart three, so.
1: Yeah, and I think I think also Chicago. I think they also were allowed.
0: I think they. I think they allowed. The three. I think
1: now maybe they only say four or five, but.
0: My very first audition, I remember, Philly said you could play three, four, or five, but when I asked my. <laughs> Coach and mentor William DiPasquale. <laughs> he said, no. He said, That really means four or five. Do not show up playing three. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that explains why I didn't, didn't advance in the
0: Philly.
1: <laughs> well, Wow. Mystery solved all these years later. Okay. <laughs> well, well I had that,
0: you know, inside info and I, I still, well, I advanced. Okay. But I didn't get to the finals. <laughs> um,
1: well, I, well, okay. Well, that, that kind of like, that turns my whole theory on its head then, you know? Well, that was, you know, have an orchestra from... where you don't get inside information in advance. <laughs> Burn.
0: <laughs> two thousand era Philly Orchestra, okay. nineteen ninety-nine era. Um Boston, I think, was the first audition I took where they just said four or five. Four or mm-hmm. five. But here we are, Detroit three, four, or five. Um quickly, I guess, between four or five is there. They're both tough openings. The big difference is that Mozart five is a slow it's an adagio opening and, and the, that
1: opening is, is harder than it was to me sounded pretty simple it's just,
0: the opening of five
1: yeah and then you start playing and you're like uh, even now i sit down to play and it's hard to get everything as smooth as you want and
0: yeah i think it depends on what your natural strengths are so i guess
1: playing smoothly is maybe not my strength so.
0: well it's interesting i just heard a quote it's actually from an old colleague of ours eugene izatov former principal oboe of chicago I'm still thinking about it actually. It was that your whatever your strengths are, those are still going to be with you in an audition or you know under pressure. Uh, the other things may or may not be, but your your very strongest, your your superpowers so to speak are going to stay with you. If one of those is just like <laughs> a nice smooth singing sound, then no matter how nervous you're going to be, Mozart 5 would be a great opening for you.
1: Yeah, I don't know. For me, smooth and singing can sometimes be the first thing that goes out the window when I'm nervous, but,
0: but that, I guess that that's is not my still superpower. Your, That's your Mozart concerto though, for for auditions. So it's, yeah, it's I, served uh, you served you quite well. We'll, Mine's get, been we'll four, get to I why think.
1: that is in another episode too.
0: All right. Mine's always been four, I guess, out of force of habit and something about that key of D major, most popular key for violin concertos. So
1: Yeah. And you know, you, you play a great Mozart four. It's true.
0: I have played it in a lot of auditions for sure.
1: Has it been every audition then?
0: Well, every every audition I've taken, yeah. Yeah, cuz there've been I mean, it's
1: not like, well, is there ever an audition where they just say 5? I feel like there has been.
0: I thought maybe a Boston. Maybe
1: Boston, yeah. Okay. It
0: was just 5. Um but in fact, if if and when I've gotten the choice of which solo to start with, which concerto, I would always pick Mozart. I would pick Mozart 4.
1: Between just
0: comfort wise. Brahms and Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, so we should get to why why we gravitated to Brahms. Like what
0: Well, do you want to take this Detroit list in order? Sure. And we Okay, just to quick recap, Beethoven, Brahms, Dvořák, Mendelssohn, Prokofiev 2, Sibelius, Tchaikovsky. So
1: you're thinking immediately and, how weird it is that they don't they won't allow Prokofiev 1.
0: Oh, that's not my first thought. <laughs> no, I, my first thought on reading out that list out loud is that uh, I mean, the only concertos we ever hear in auditions really are Brahms. Sibelius and Tchaikovsky I mean that would cover 95 out of 100 auditions
1: yeah how would you feel about starting with Dvorak very really tough right with the double stops
0: oh yeah do you want do you want to do this in order sure Al- okay, alphabetical okay. order um because yeah I, I would not feel good about starting with Dvorak <laughs> yeah um Beethoven
1: Oof. no <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah I've I get asked maybe two or three times a year by someone, you know, I'm thinking of switching to Beethoven, you know, I, my, and I, I, I'm not trying to make fun because as I said, I've thought about switching pieces and usually when someone's asking me that they're saying, I'm not feeling good with piece X. And I thought about, you know, just switching to Beethoven. It's just such a great piece. And I agree. It's a great piece, but, man if you're feeling nervous with piece x chances are beethoven's not gonna sit there any more comfortably and, you know, and
1: who might i'm I mean, like i've never actually learned all of beethoven concerto so you know maybe there's somebody out there who just feels great about their octaves and
0: what did i say about the beethoven in my oh, little article um because i only i only learned it for the first time i mean truly learned it just a couple of years ago
1: oh uh, yeah
0: perform it with orchestra and it was tough. Yeah, it confirmed my opinion that it would not be.
1: <laughs> yeah, a, great, was a scary opening.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the octaves. I mean, literally, the first thing you play is an arpeggio of octaves, broken octaves, but still. And then um, I feel
1: like that descending chromatic. Oh uh, yeah, it's, is scary. it's just
0: treacherous, and. You know,
1: again, I've never really played it, so you know I only have anecdotal evidence from like having seen seasoned soloists get up and and seem unsure of themselves there, so.
0: Yeah. Now here's what I wrote about it. Um, a 2D that seems to last forever, and that won't be relevant in the orchestra audition, because if you have it accompaniment, of course, that'll be cut. An opening arpeggio in octaves, then an entire page of 16th notes, slurred, separate, but all designed to make you look like a fool. Somehow this D major doesn't seem like the same key as the D major of Mozart for. Um I think I also wrote something later about it sort of being like the swimsuit ground in the beauty pageant.
1: Well, well, that's true. You know what it is? It's that the Mozart concerto will make you feel that way. The, the last thing most people need is to have both their concertos feel that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You're already, you're forced to put yourself out there with the Mozart. At least let your romantic concerto be something you can sort of swim around in a little bit more. Yeah, yeah I, I'm sure we'll talk about risk and reward. And there's just a lot of risk in Beethoven because of the purity of the scales and arpeggios, the intonation, so critical and kind of the best you can hope for is that singing sound, uh, intelligent phrasing beauty, but you know, it's going to take two solid minutes of great Beethoven playing to really leave people, especially non string players, non violinists to leave them with a real kick-ass impression.
1: Yeah. I would say that's, one instance in which you can sort of try to read the committee's mind a little bit and, and remember that it's not um, primarily made up of violinists usually. So even if you're just playing out of your mind, it's just great. I think that people are, it might even come across as sounding easy, you know, horrifyingly, like, yeah, you know, people are saying, eh, it doesn't have a whole lot of teeth. You know, I think that Brahms concerto really seemed like something, but this is a little...
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be... Not that you would ever do this, but I think it would be a piece that would be more effective in the finals where you're guaranteed to play for, let's say, 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And you're definitely going to play in a bunch of styles and you're only playing next to other, you know, really high level players. Then I and think maybe it you're would... probably
1: a little more comfortable at that point.
0: Yeah, to... but nobody would ever you wouldn't play a different concerto for the finals or something like that. It's just I think that's a tough first round
1: that's, I wonder if anyone's ever done that, like change their concerto from round to round, especially in those, one of those auditions where like the rounds are separated by a couple of months, you know?
0: I wonder, I've, that's never something I've thought to do, hmm. but yeah. Oh, if you have,
1: let us know. <laughs> yes. Share your story. please. <laughs> <laughs> sure someone how that out there has done it.
0: Um, okay. We come next to Brahms, which is, um, both of our, that would be both of our choice from this list. Although if given the choice, you would play Bartok too.
1: Yeah. I immediately feel a little bit at a disadvantage when I can't play Bartok.
0: I think. Well, let's talk about that a little. Um, yeah, why Bartok?
1: Because I've just been playing it for so long. I mean, okay, so I, I think I roundly denounced the idea of playing something different. I I think it's how I got started with Bartok. I thought, you know, it's not a lot of people play it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, yeah, I, I wanted to stand out. So, so I chose Bartok. All and right. I felt like, you know, it was a piece that It plays to my, my, what I perceive as my strengths. So
0: I agree. And, and it's also important that, I mean, even if I didn't agree that those were your strengths, but I do. Um, But even if I didn't, the fact that you believe they are, that is so important.
1: Right. I think that it's a concerto that sounds impressive to people who don't necessarily know all the violin repertoire. Yeah. And, you know, it is, it is a, it's a difficult opening, but it's not. It's it's easier than Brahms.
0: Opening on the G string, at least the way most people play it on the G string, although not Leonidas Kavakos the last time we saw him. He played it in first position.
1: Gil Shaham either. Oh, Gil Shaham too, yeah. Um, Well, they have to play the whole thing, so cut them a little slack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the way you play it, it's a big, big thing on the G string.
1: Although, you know, I spent years having to dial back how I played the opening. I think I always thought of it as like, you know guns blazing and it's actually just a nice opening it doesn't have to be like you (laughs) know it doesn't yeah i like the way you you're you're like the
0: you're like the villain in the old west you blow open those saloon doors like and then everyone else stops like oh it's old taramoto come with the bar talk
1: (laughs) <laughs> so I, that's how i used to treat it and then you know I, I actually lost a few auditions i think because it was too much
0: so <laughs> Got you kicked know out of the saloon
1: yeah they, they were like we don't we don't really want someone who's gonna just you know <laughs> come and just railroad over the rest of the section um it's bringing back memories about why i chose it. i think i felt like it it was kind of a standout and it sounds impressive it's like a lot of bang for your buck you know it's you're you're gonna have people in the committee say hey that's you know so that's a cool piece that's you yeah. know
0: they're not going to forget you if you play that well.
1: Yeah, in mm. a good way and bad way, I guess. But um, nowadays, it's just like I played it so many times; I just keep doing it. So,
0: well, that's the key. I mean, it's it's a comfortable piece for you, in addition to those other things. So, because I, I don't want to go back and scrub out all all our audio about don't play a piece just to stand out. Just spent most of the last few minutes saying, "Go ahead and do that," but do that if it if it feels right and it fits you.
1: Yeah, it was a match on a couple of levels. I felt, I felt like
0: it wasn't just that
1: that was the case. But, you know, what? I, I was really worried about um, getting lost in a sea of just okay Brahms concertos.
0: Well, and that's next on the list. <laughs> the Brahms concerto, Exist which Brahms, I've always yeah. played and which you play when you can't play Bartok. I mean, I, I don't think there's a violinist alive that doesn't consider that one of the greatest, if not the greatest, violin concerto but it's always in the top I would say the top two if you're gonna have a top two Brahms is gonna be one of them
1: you mean of all just favorite concertos
0: yeah let's say best like concerto concertos that the violin world couldn't be without
1: sure and it's funny because like well you think about playing it for an audition and it's just so easily segmentable into you know
0: like the, oh, you got the first first page <laughs> yeah, got the first like the, two pages
1: odds are they're not you're gonna get to the theme and they'll be like all right you know they got a few measures in and right. and you can sort of you know scale back your preparation proportionally from there and then you know then work on the condenser but
0: it's yeah tchaikovsky's a little tougher that way because tchaikovsky just goes and goes
1: well right although you know that also has a sort of a predictable place where people would stop but uh <laughs> but yeah Brahms. it just seems like yeah, you can spend a lot of time working on that first page and uh
0: yeah and that's and you have to <laughs> sure. and that's the danger is that it just it starts at pretty much maximum intensity and gradually lets up rather than something like the tchaikovsky that starts with comfort and gradually ramps up
1: right i guess it starts with comfort Well, i, 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 mean, I just never i never liked tchaikovsky but we'll get to that later
0: but in terms of Playing it, I mean, you—you you, almost anybody could string together a few good bars of Tchaikovsky, even if they're not totally warmed up. It's true. It would be I okay, mean, it's you know?
1: true. I, but that also, I think, is a negative. It's like anybody could, you know. So,
0: it's, I mean, yeah, you have to stand I,
1: out because you can do it.
0: I tend to agree, and I mean, Tchaikovsky gets going quickly enough. I mean, you can show what you need to show quickly enough. That's that's why it's such a popular concerto as well. Uh, but Brahms, it's like that very first bar, you're already, <laughs> you're jumping into the deep end, you know, and...
1: Yeah, it's, and it has backfired on me.
0: Me too. Yeah, the very second bar is octaves. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then I realized one of the biggest problems is that people rush through that first measure. They're nervous and they, or either that or they like consciously slow it down. So it's like super tedious.
0: Yeah, I mean, it takes yeah so much poise and actually weren't weren't you a little bit hardened I know I was when we recently had Pinkus Sukerman come in and play the Brahms concerto with us and coming off stage after that first performance yeah he was mentioning how he hadn't performed it with orchestra in a while and it, he said it just takes so much poise
1: yeah he uh, did
0: playing it again will you know he said who who knows if he really meant it or if he was just saying it for our benefit but he said playing it again tomorrow night will sort of I'll, I'll remember more what that's like or I'll, I'll get more of that back. Yeah. If your only public performing is auditioning and you're only doing that a few times a year then it's hard to expect yourself. You shouldn't expect yourself to just bang out those first 90 seconds of Brahms' concerto like like it's nothing.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to not going to be doing that anytime soon.
0: <laughs> so Uh, High reward, high risk, uh, definitely something to be lived in for a while, the Brahms Concerto. It's a great piece. It never disappoints as a piece, but that's one for sure. Just I'll I'll speak, if I may, for for non-violinists on committees, they're almost always shocked at how scratchy that piece sounds in auditions. It's just so easy to try to go for too much. And to lose sight of the sound quality issues.
1: And the pacing. The pacing is really tough.
0: Yes. Uh, with or without accompaniment. Because if you're without yeah. accompaniment, it's easy to get unmoored. And just switch tempos all over the place.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mm. almost never do I hear those, those 16th notes in the tempo that this person opened right. the piece with. And then it, for some reason, it's always very jarring. Seems... So, yeah. That's that's a pitfall for sure. But, but despite that, we both always want to play Brahms so
0: yeah um I think for a while it was stubbornness on my part it's like
1: yeah it's probably just stubbornness mm -hmm. for me too I mean looking at this list there's probably
0: no one's gonna tell me I can't play Brahms even if it's well I'm looking at this list I mean
1: it's yeah so let's move on to Dvorak now I mean it's not as if any of these other pieces would be any better
0: (laughs) yeah Dvorak I just I would just think why um if it really you know maybe you're Czech and it really speaks to you no, if yeah. it really speaks to you and it's comfortable, then that's great. But I—that that is a tough opening, too. Um,
1: yeah, it is. <laughs> I was thinking of the double stop. So this is that crazy run.
0: Well, let me see what I wrote about it back. Oh, we didn't say what I wrote about Brahms, but I, I think I've oh, said enough fair. about Brahms. But Dvorak, um, you enter with a four note chord that's actually the start of an expressive motif in thirds. An asymmetrical phrase leads to an up-and-down series of arpeggios that ends with a high E. Yeah,
1: you. Yeah. Um, you. No, thank Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I gave no. it a
0: 7.3 out of 10 in terms of difficulty. 7.3? So, Bartok number two, I gave 7.5 degree of difficulty for the opening alone. That We're just talking about the... Um, okay. I mean, this way, you know, I wrote this a couple of years ago. I mean, the only things above that are Vinyaski 1... Oh. beethoven
1: yeah why isn't that on the list
0: brahms <laughs> and paganini oh and, and mendelssohn which we'll get to Gee so bartok too was high high up on the list and yeah, okay. just below it was uh dvorak yeah um you know he was a violist <laughs> dvorak ah hmm. but uh not a virtuoso violinist and his stuff just doesn't lie mm. so well and that um you know that the first 90 seconds of solo violin playing in Dvorak is broken up by a lot of rests and it's hard to get your momentum. It's just kind of a wandering opening, especially without accompaniment.
1: Yeah, that's right. Cause it's very like call and response.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, it <laughs> yeah. takes a while, it takes a while to get going. Um, again, you know, coming in really playing it well that obviously would make a great impression because nobody literally nobody else would be playing to shock
1: you know yeah and for me this is gonna sound stupid but um string crossing rapid string crossings well that's hard they are one of the first things that's gets super tough when i'm really nervous so you know those arpeggios quite those really fast arpeggios in the beginning would sort of be Sort of deadly for me, yeah.
0: And this is totally worthless. It doesn't mean anything. But um, teaching-wise, you know, I teach all these concertos. And Dvorak is the one that I really don't feel confident with. Like, if I'm not warmed up and I'm just starting a lesson or something and I'm trying to demonstrate it, I always sound bad playing Dvorak. So I, that, for me, is a big red flag.
1: Sure, again, because it has to, like I described, should ideally be something that you feel like you could just leap into unwarmed un- up. and yeah.
0: That's what they said about a Ulysses S. Grant, right? (laughs) They said, no, they said he had four o'clock in the morning courage (laughs) that you could, yeah, just blow a trumpet in his ear at four in the morning, wake him up. And he's, he's right there on his horse in the battlefield.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Dvorak's not, not the piece that would do that for me. Okay. (laughs) So.
0: So now we come to Mendelssohn, which.
1: Probably said enough about it. Mendelssohn? Well, (laughs) we, we just said it's hard and. But, you know, the funny thing is that it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't sound that hard. Or you leave, learn it when you're 12 or something. You're like, it's not, anything you learn when you're 12 must be, not be that hard. But, some, yeah, as you said, you learn it when you're at a more fearless point in your life. And
0: yeah, it's funny. You know, this is the concerto that I've most often considered switching to, if I was going to switch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you do a great job of it.
0: But, yeah, what stops me, okay, so here's what I wrote in my uh, toughest... Concerto openings article, um, said the classic short 2D dilemma that we saw in Glazunov, Sibelius and Mozart 5. Yeah. Meaning, well, and this is again, not super relevant for the orchestra auditions, but it's hardly any 2D at all. So that can be good or bad, depending on how you feel. A soaring theme that gives way to scales and arpeggios as in Beethoven an end of page fusillade of octave arpeggios, both solid and broken. And then I said, you know, you're probably surprised to see this get the 10.0 degree of difficulty. But I said, it's uh, simple. Heifetz said the first page of Mendelssohn was the hardest thing in the entire violin repertoire to play in tune. So, therefore, it automatically got the 10.0. Mm,
1: okay. I might quibble with that. But... As,
0: as did several people in the comments.
1: <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> Paganini's much worse.
0: But as opposed to Beethoven, I would much more readily play mendelssohn in an audition i just think it, it shows more more quickly it lies better i mean
1: it's funny i would choose beethoven actually i think I, yeah. the thing is that i never really played beethoven so it's possible if i did that i would go running back to mendelssohn but if i had to choose between those two i, I think i think there's just a couple deal breakers for me in the mendelssohn the the, the quick bow changes on the arpeggios like I, I get turned around really easily with that stuff hmm. it's a weakness of mine I already mentioned string changes aren't my forte (laughs) you're probably wondering how the hell I have a job at all (laughs) but you know, I mean like I know like yeah I I think one of my you know strengths is just knowing what weight I can punch so yeah
0: brilliantly with either one of those but I don't know yeah Mendelssohn and maybe again maybe it's because I've taught it more often I just feel like I could more easily pick up the violin and of course you could but yeah definitely high risk you've got to play that Dead in tune, or it's worthless, and for that reason, we pretty much never hear it in auditions.
1: Even just thinking about that passage is just—I just know the one I'm talking about—the bow changes in there. Oh yeah, shifts in that <laughs> string cross things. Yeah, no. Mm. All right.
0: Next, we've got Prokofiev two, um, which I
1: actually—I don't think I ever learned Prokofiev two either.
0: Um, yeah, for me, this is a strange one to include on the list. I almost feel like it was... It came into fashion... Well, Heifetz really helped popularize it, and I almost feel like a lot of these concerto lists sort of came into being around those years. Um,
1: this thing happened to me in college that it didn't involve Prokofiev 2, but scarred me or made an impression on me, depending how you look at it. But um, So they had a concerto competition, and... I think it was like you could play whatever piece you wanted or something, something kind of weird. And so, like, whatever <laughs> I, I, the hot canary, <laughs> I was so excited because you know I'd never seen something like so sort of, sort of free form. So I, I was like, oh Shostakovich, you know I love Shostakovich concerto, and I'm gonna, I was learning it, you know, like on my own, which is you know felt so decadent and amazing to just be learning something on my own.
0: This is at Harvard or Juilliard?
1: At Harvard. So you know at that point I'd been so like you know micromanaged in terms of my learning of pieces and I was like it was like hey you know you can't tell me what we need to do now haha ha. <laughs> anyway so I was having this great time learning it and I decided to play for the competition and then uh, you know true to form like I just didn't even find an accompanist I think you were it was like optional but like like stupid of course you should have an accompanist like so I didn't show up with one and um yeah you know I Late. and i think i started because i didn't have an accompanist i think i started with the the third movement the cadenza it's figured well oh. there's no accompanist there so whatever you know and uh then i you know segue into the fourth movement and then but i thought i played yeah, you know, whatever i thought i played well i always thought i played well back then i guess but um you know <laughs> afterwards i didn't win and then afterwards somebody like conductor said to me like I think people were confused like they didn't know what this piece was and there was no accompaniment and I mean, they didn't know what was going on because you were playing a cadenza and I was like first I was indignant and I was like well why the hell should that matter but then it was like there was a lesson it was like you have to you can't just come out and play something where people are easily confused you know it's especially if it's held up against something that's much more standard so I think I was a little spooked from that point on and I don't think it's unreasonable to to think that, you know, yeah, people are gonna, I mean, we know what Prokofiev's second concerto is, but you know, some people in the committee may not have heard, like, we don't hear it that often at work, certainly, and.
0: Yeah, it's not so often played, really, as a solo concerto with orchestra anymore.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, it happens, and it's a great piece, sure, but I I do think that the opening couple minutes don't show enough, and I think, you know, people are not only confused because they don't hear it that often, but also thinking, I don't really know what's, going on here but it's not they might just it might just be a scratch you know they'd be like well let's let's hear something else and decide what we think based on that so I think you're missing an opportunity maybe
0: right you're kind of punting to the the excerpts to yeah. make the decision for you yeah yeah. which you know,
1: actually hey that, that might be strategy too maybe you feel that your excerpts are just like <laughs> awesome and you know you you don't feel great about any of the concertos and you feel like hey you know I'll just I'll play something and it'll sound fine and I'm, I'm gonna wait to impress them
0: yeah, I mean, if if that's true, <laughs> that's a that's a yeah, tough thing. there's someone to, out there.
1: There, I'm not someone. I'm not sure a lot of people have won. You know, playing for Coffee for Concertos, one or two. Oh so. yeah, no,
0: I mean, you look, you could win a job playing any of these for sure. This is our very uh, opinionated take on on all of this, but sure. I mean, the fact is that you could listen to a hundred auditions and not hear one per coffee of two. It's pretty rare. The last two on the list are, along with Brahms, the most popular Sibelius and Tchaikovsky. They're also, but I mean, jeez, every piece on this list has Heifetz's stamp on it somewhere. Um, I mean, Tchaikovsky was popular before Heifetz, obviously, but a lot more people played, Tchaikovsky, uh, played Sibelius after Heifetz did.
1: Mm, okay.
0: That I, Sibelius is popular partly, I think, because it also takes a little bit of time to open up and you can get comfortable in the sound. You know, it's not yeah, fireworks right away. Yeah, it's kind of, right
1: of a nice, um, you know, probably if I didn't play Brahms, I would play Sebelius, I would say. Because, you know, there's still, it shows a lot, I think. It's a lot on that first page. Yeah, and it's not unreasonably difficult, you know, but it, it sounds, you know, it's flashy. It's, yeah, it's, it's. I think, something can, you can sort of sink your teeth into in a good way and like in a comfortable way. Yeah, so that would probably be my second choice if I had to choose something other than Brahms or Pawtrak.
0: Yeah. I mean, it almost, I don't want to say it takes too long to get going because great playing is great playing. But I think, you know, if you are prone to the kind of nerves that, well, that, that <laughs> start inhabiting the, the basic sound, those first few lines can be really long if you're making the same kind of sound all the time. Sure. Um, so you, there has to be that flexibility because the, those are long notes, long bows. It's a little bit like the opening to Mozart V. Something has to happen there. Something to to look for, to sort of know yourself, know your strengths and weaknesses. Whereas Tchaikovsky, the last concerto on the list, I mean, you're changing bows all the time. Yeah. Um, it's maybe the most meat and potatoes of all the pieces on this list.
1: And the, wait, what's the deal with the Sibelius Cadenza, is it?
0: Oh, if you're talking about playing the whole...
1: Yeah, like, you know, because you have to consider that... You, yeah, cadenza is to...
0: really hard. And many, yeah. <laughs> many yeah, is the time the that people breaker. have asked yeah. me, um, okay, so I'm playing Sibelius. Now they say first movement with cadenza. Are they really going to hear the cadenza? <laughs> I don't <laughs> Womp, know. Yes. <laughs> um, and that cadenza is really difficult and not so often practiced thoroughly.
1: Yeah, with my little issues with bow changes and string changes. Um, but you know, it's nice once you've been playing for a few minutes already. So it's so not as if you're going in cold. No, you're probably not going to ask you to just start at the condensate. Hopefully but it could happen, but they probably wouldn't.
0: Right. Tchaikovsky. I, it's funny if, if you told me I had, I would have to play Tchaikovsky in my next audition. Um, I would be nervous only because I, I feel like of all the pieces that is one that the most people can sound impressive on which I know we said was not supposed to be the main consideration. But I feel like there are players with really limited strengths who can, you know, really put together a, a great sounding or at least quite a good sounding Tchaikovsky.
1: Yeah, I mean, your standards, you're not going to be expecting Heifetz to come out. So somebody playing cleanly, just kind of in tune.
0: Not It's not the opposite, but I mean, I, I feel like even if someone is not super clean, maybe not super in tune, mm-hmm. you but know, if they sort of it give go. it enough uh, verve, mm-hmm. Tchaikovsky can come And that's come how off.
1: I'd play it. <laughs> I, I, it would have a lot of verve. It might not be so in tune, but yeah.
0: No, it, just, I'm not talking about you. I'm...
1: <laughs> but, I, you know, but I'm thinking about, like, if I had to play Tchaikovsky, how I would play it. And it would not be, like, well, see, safe, I, you know.
0: No, and I think you... I mean, you're a, a complete player, but I have no doubt that you would make, that you would just play a better Tchaikovsky than me. And it was, I mean, look, that's not what, that's why I don't play it.
1: I really always had a hard time with Tchaikovsky. I would, I would never have chosen. I mean, partially because I don't love Tchaikovsky as a composer, which...
0: Yeah, some, me either.
1: Hopefully some of you aren't just throwing eggs at the your phone right now or something. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I, I never, yeah, I never loved Tchaikovsky. And then on top of it... um, this shouldn't influence how I feel about the opening, but I did feel like it was always so hard p- to play because the cadenza is in the middle, which is like a weird arrangement, and then gets into a, a more difficult key after the cadenza's over. So it's like, well, it just, you know, you get through the first however many minutes and then you get through the cadenza, which is hard, and then, then it gets harder. So it's like, well, the first one was already so long and it's just getting harder and harder. Like for me, I, I thought, well, this is you know, and plus I think I had a bad concerto competition moment like in pre-college or something right
0: sounds like a bad breakup
1: it was bad yeah it was like that it was the piece for the competition when i was like 14 or 15 or something and didn't go well so i think ever since then i've been like nope i'm not gonna play it
0: well sure if you're talking about those auditions where you have to prepare the entire movement
1: well no but even um, like even when you don't like i think my feelings about i just feel like if you don't love the whole piece if you don't love the whole movement even like it's tough to want to do a great job on the first two pages or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you have to love the piece overall.
1: and have good feelings about it. Like I just, I don't know. I never had great feelings about it. So.
0: And I certainly don't. I don't think it's easy. I, I didn't mean to imply that, you know, saying that I think more people could sound good on it. It's certainly not an easy piece. It just, yeah, If if there was something else on the list that I thought I could sound good on. And, you know, in my case, I think that's Brahms. Then I would sooner choose that.
1: Yeah, so I guess in summary, you know, there's a lot that goes into choosing your piece and you shouldn't discount your, like, personal feelings about it, you know, because in the end it's going to be a personal performance, obviously. And I think if you don't love the piece, it's going to come across. You have to get a real conviction about your performance. And it is a performance, as we said. It's not, you know, it's not just bunch of people listening behind a screen you, you know you're not just proving what you know you, you can play the violin like you you want to show that you have <laughs> something really like a unique individual to say
0: so yeah maybe i mean we've talked a lot of details here and as you said there's a lot that goes into it um but it could also be a simple thing too right that you pick a great piece uh, and all all the pieces on this list are great pieces pick one that somehow you identify with and that you play well especially the opening that there's some comfort in the opening
1: yeah not just some hopefully but um, (laughs) a (laughs) lot (laughs) if you're not comfortable you better get comfortable
0: yeah that's what the the practice room is for and
1: hey it's just it's really just two pages so
0: and yes if they say cadenza they might hear the cadenza so practice it well thank you as always for uh hanging out with us here at stand partners for life and uh really having fun this year uh bringing more episodes to you we're looking forward to covering a lot of topics that you've requested um i haven't forgotten those of you that wrote in when we first started the show haven't forgotten the topics that you wrote in about and um thank you as always for your comments when you write in and most of all for your time and spending it with us so look forward to talking with you again on the next Stand partners for life